From their humble beginnings on a cattle station in the Kimberley of Western Australia, Ringers Western's inspiration comes from their roots. Ringers pride their brand on being tough, adaptable, sometimes cheeky, but always offers you class and loyalty. These principles, along with a high standard of design and quality, set Ringers Western way ahead of the mob. Personally, three quarters of my wardrobe is Ringers and the majority are their jackets. With winter coming soon, head to ringersweston.com to check out the range and get yours today. And we're back with a uh, another episode of Reminisce with Jaden, and we're very lucky today to be joined by Kyle Chalmers, an Olympic gold medalist, 100 metre freestyle world record holder and close mate. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Mate, thanks for having me on. I'm a bit disappointed I got to number four before I got the call up, but um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I actually sent you a message saying, mate, I want you on as my inaugural guest. And I had that locked in, but um, obviously with the studio being here and you being in Adelaide, it made it a little bit tough and I wanted an in-studio one for my first one. But um, look, you're the first person to be at number four. So congrats. That's, that's very true, actually. Four is a good number. So uh, let's hope it uh, flies right up the the charts and, and goes all right, but I, I was honoured to be asked for number one. Last season, went to went on a footy trip with the boys to Bali and I arrive, I think I put a little story up on Instagram saying on my way to Bali or something like that. And I get a message request from you. I'm like, what is Kyle Jarvis doing messaging me? And you're like, hey mate, let's catch up for a beer. How good's that? How good's that? Yeah. Buddy. It was it was random. I uh yeah, I was I'd come back from Commonwealth Games, I think. Um, was going on the same sort of thing. Not a not a footy trip with the boys, it was a swimming trip with the boys after <laughs> after commies. Had a few to- a few days off, so headed over there and one of my great mates, Matty Temple, is a big fan of yours, and he said, Jado's in uh Jado's in Bali. And I was like, All right, I got nothing to lose. I sent him a message to see what he's up to and uh the rest is history. Yeah, it was great. Obviously we were we were there for about a week at the same time and first few days went by, we talk, talk, but not catch up. And there was one night where the other boys I was with, they were going for Chinese for dinner. And I'm like, I don't like Chinese. I'm, I'm staying out. I'm going to stay at home boys. And you were like, mate, we're at Finn's. And I was staying right near. I was like, oh, I'll go say hello. Like we've, we'll go catch up. Ended up having a big night. Um, yeah, that was, that was great fun. What, what do you recall? <laughs> <laughs> was definitely one of my bigger nights in Bali. It was the second to, night, second to last night I had in Bali. So I was thinking the last night was going to be a big one, but happened to be the second to last one. But yeah, I don't know. It was kind of like messaging a chick, you know, like we were messaging <laughs> nicely all week and like did, we're a bit nervous to catch up. And then finally we had a couple beers, so we were probably comfortable and um yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. We kind of seen most of Bali, I think, did some scooter riding and um, I got to check out the the villa that you were staying in, which was the deluxe one compared to the one I was staying in, Cuda. So I was pretty keen just to stay on the couch there for the, my last couple of nights in Bali. But yeah, it was, it was awesome. Obviously, NBA finals on at the moment. You're a big NBA fan. Um, Denver up 3-1. Do you think it's think it's all over? Yeah, it's all over, unfortunately. Um, I love NBA. I don't have an NBA team. I just love the game. Uh, I'd probably prefer to watch any of the other 29 teams than Denver. <laughs> so it really upsets me watching Denver do so well. I just think they're a boring team to watch, but uh, they get, they're getting the job done. Um, one of our close mates, Huey Greenwood's a big uh, Denver Nuggets fan. So he's been rubbing it into me and I've got a Nikola Jokic signed jersey at home. So the price of that's going up slowly <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to cashing in on that you if they win tomorrow. I will sell it. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I don't. I don't like watching Jokic play. Okay. So it's a uh, yeah. I've, I've got a few. Let's go back to that. Actually, I've got a few signed jerseys at home. A lot of NBA ones. I've got a KD one, Jokic, Levine, to name a few. Probably. I've got a Larry Bird Olympic jersey signed. 
signed. Jeez. They're all in their boxes in the cupboard. But I do have a North Melbourne Jaden Stevenson <laughs> Barley official jersey signed that I wake up and see every morning. Every day I come out, see that hanging on my wall. It's great. <laughs> You've got the one jersey hanging up. It's a it's a baby, like size four North Melbourne long sleeve jumper, and I signed it uh, in pen. In so proudly <laughs> on my wall. <laughs> That's awesome. Good thing to wake up to. Obviously, on the footy, you're a big uh, Port Adelaide fan. They're obviously flying at the moment, 10 wins in a row. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, obviously, started off slightly slow. Uh, losing at the G by 71 points to Collingwood was a little bit heartbreaking. Um, but to go now 10 wins in a row is oh, actually then the following week uh, lose the showdown. Um, I was lucky enough to be interstate at that time, so I didn't have to <laughs> deal with people getting into me about that. But to win 10 in a row, it's incredible. Uh, the boys seem pretty happy. I had a coffee with Bokey the other day and uh, he's pretty fired up about it all and I think yeah, it should be a good season ahead obviously probably doesn't matter too much what you're doing in this season it's got to got to be the postseason success uh, you've played on the biggest stage there before hopefully Porter able to do that hasn't been it's been since 2007 since they played in the grand final so I'd love to do that yeah, they've been amazing. Obviously, I played against them a few weeks ago, and they just—they've got superstars all over the ground. They're massive forward line, massive back line. Like the twos, like they got Tom Jonas in the twos, Orazio Fantasia. Like they've got the depth. They're—they're they're doing amazing. So I think um, that'll certainly continue. Your old man—he played a few games for Port Adelaide. Yeah, he did. He—he uh, he grew up in the country like myself, and um, he got drafted. I think as a sixteen-year-old to Richmond. Decided he wouldn't come across, but would play for Port Magpies uh, in the SANFL. So played in the SANFL for a little bit, ended up getting drafted to Collingwood, um, wrote letters to the top nine clubs in the in the draft saying he wouldn't go to them, he'd only go to Collingwood. Uh, <laughs> so funnily enough, pick 10 came around, Collingwood drafted him. Uh, he got, I think he got banned for a couple of years and fined 30 grand, which was a lot of money back then. What did he do? Well... He wrote he wrote letters to the club saying he wouldn't play for them. Oh, and that got him done. Yeah, that got it was, dra- it was seen as draft tampering. <laughs> so yeah, he was he was projected to be pretty high. Obviously, quite a talented footy player. Uh, ended up playing for the Crows for fifty games. Then went across to Port Power, played twenty five games there, and yeah, did all right. Did all right, but uh, injuries probably hampered his career a little bit. And uh, he's he stayed involved in the club and. I grew up a massive Essendon supporter, actually, growing up in Port Lincoln. Um, and when we came back to Adelaide, Dad said, if you want to come to the footy with me, you have to be a Port Power supporter. So I've jumped, jumped ship and now I'm an ambassador of the club. Got a few mates running around out there and, yeah, love it. Oh, beautiful. And you, you've taught me a lot about bloody social media and, and talking to people. You have got no filter. You just, if you want to talk to someone, you message them. And it's a great idea. I've taken it into my life as well. It's like, What's the worst? What's the worst that can happen? I suppose. Exactly, it opens up avenues. I think you know. Previously, I've probably been a bit more timid and nervous. And social media, I've kind of, you know, as an athlete, you get slammed for doing silly things yeah. on social media at times. Whereas now, I'm like, I'm just going to own who I am. I'm a weird dude. I think at times, you know, I've got the the blonde mohawk. I've got the earrings. I've got tattoos all over my body. I just have learned to accept who I am as a person, and I'm happy for the world to see that now. Um, so yeah, I'm happy flicking out a few messages here and there on social media. I'm happy, uh, just taking the piss on my Instagram stories and posting whatever on my, on my actual page. And it seems to be getting pretty good response, to be honest with you. When I used to be that serious athlete that would post my sponsors and post, <laughs> you know, you know, those inspirational quotes or something that I thought people wanted to see. I don't think people really wanted to see that. Whereas <laughs> now I'll get on there and just take the absolute piss out of what I'm doing during the day and have some fun with it. And people love it. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm going to test to that. I love getting on and you've putting up all these stories in your posts and they always give me a good giggle. So keep them coming. I, I really enjoy them. Um, 
let's talk about your swimming for a little bit here. So I looked up, did a little bit of research. Like, <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about swimming, but I looked, you won the um, Oceana title at 15. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run us through like how you started, how you got into it, and um, where you are today. Yeah. Okay. So I think for me, I grew up in a country town called Port Lincoln. Uh, happened to have a swimming pool in my backyard. Uh, Dad had retired from the AFL only a few years probably before we moved to Port Lincoln, so I wanted to keep probably fit. So swam in the pool a bit. I'd jump in there and have a swim with him. Uh, school swimming carnival kind of came around. I was one of very few nine-year-olds that could comfortably swim 50 <laughs> metres in Port Lincoln. I mean, there's probably not too many nine-year-old kids in Port Lincoln anyway, let alone guys that could swim 50 metres. So got picked to represent Port Lincoln at the uh, Sapsaza competition in Adelaide. So came across and represented the the Lower Air Peninsula, which was a which was a big thing. What an honour. A big honour. Never seen a 50-metre pool before in my <laughs> life, so I was quite nervous. Um, but at that stage was kind of coming across Adelaide every second weekend for footy or cricket or basketball or athletics, kind of did it all as a kid. Uh, and then it kind of just took off from there, really. I um, got picked on the state team to represent South Australia in Canberra, more so because they needed some country representation <laughs> on the team, not because I was any good. Um, and then I always saw swimming as a good opportunity to stay fit for footy because I was playing footy in the winter and then I'd try and stay fit over the summer and do a bit of swimming and um, eventually 2012 rolled around. Uh, family made the decision to move across to Adelaide. Um, for sport, for a bit of education, Dad always told me that I need to have a fullback plan outside of you know sport. Yep. So I need to needed to knuckle down at school and um, probably get away from some bad badder influences in Port Lincoln at times as well. <laughs> so I came across to Adelaide and um, still wanted to be a footy player, kind of you know playing footy a couple times a weekend and training footy all the time. And I'd just swim maybe four or five times a week, which was nothing compared to what the other guys were doing and. Had a bit of success still. Um, I think maybe 2014 broke one of Ian Thorpe's junior age group records or something with a broken finger from footy training. <laughs> then went across and won the Oceana, champion, the Oceana champion in New Zealand. Is that against grown men or is that in the juniors? Yeah, that was against grown men there. That's yeah, unbelievable. That's how old I was then, 2014. 15, yeah, 15, you're right. <laughs> you're better than me at this, mate. You know my career better than I'm me. I'm good at the research, mate. You are. There you go. And then, yeah, 2015 is kind of where it like really kicked off for me. So I um, was trying to play first 18s of footy at school. I don't know if that's a big thing in Melbourne, but in Adelaide, first 18s is the- is That's the private big, school, was it? Yeah, yeah private it's school. massive at the, at the private schools here. Yeah. Get cult following, get big crowds. And- it's massive. My school was horrendous, but <laughs> so as a year 11, got a, got a sneaky Guernsey there. And, uh, my dad was a coach at the time, so that definitely helped in my selection, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but- um, yeah, had the Crows scouts out there watching and whatnot. And I'll go back actually a couple of weeks before that, I'd made the world championships team for swimming. So that's a big thing. Like that's a senior senior swimming Australia team. I was going to earn some money to represent Australia at the world championships. Um, just kind of happened to come across to Sydney. My coach said, you know, you need to have some, uh, what do you call it? Experience racing against the older guys. I knew nothing about swimming. Like, I mean, <laughs> you probably know more about swimming than what I knew back then. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it was just racing against some other dudes that were a bit older than me in swimming. And I always kind of had a mindset of like, why, why do these guys beat me? I could never really understand that. I don't know whether you have that sort of mindset as an athlete, but it's like, why Why is there anyone in this world that's actually better than me at, at swimming? Oh, hundred. I think you need that mindset to be a good to be a good sp- sports person. Like, as much as you don't want to be that cocky, you don't want to go over the line, but you have to be very confident in yourself. And like, I go out there every week in footy, and yeah. a lot of the time I'm not. But I just think I'm the best player on the ground. And yeah. <laughs> like, 
Majority of the time I'm not. There's always someone better, but or multiple people better. But I just think head to head, like I'm going to win. Yeah. And then you might lose a contest. You're like, oh, he's allowed to win one or two. Like, yeah. But you always just have that competitive nature where you think you're the best. And I think without that, as an athlete, you probably you don't succeed. Exactly. I think you definitely do. I think you're the best player out there too, mate. I know I sit there, <laughs> watch every week, just so glued to just just you out there for North Melbourne. I watch more North Melbourne than Port Adelaide. You were saying a funny story before about your physio, but run yeah, us through that. Yeah, I'll go to that now. Uh, Wednesday morning, I was I was in the physio room and the physio was massaging one of the girls in the squad who knows nothing about football. And she kind of said, do you watch every game of football? And I went, no, nah, I don't watch every game. But, um, and he went, yeah, exactly. You probably wouldn't sit down and watch, you know, North Melbourne versus West Coast, really, would you? And I was like, funny you say that, mate. <laughs> I actually watch every single North Melbourne game without miss. Like, I kind of get on the weekends, schedule it down, put a bit of, bit of, bit of a pen in my uh, calendar of when the <laughs> North Melbourne game is. Not just you, you're playing. Hugh Greenwood's another good mate of mine that I sit down and watch, but... um. I definitely watch more North Melbourne games than I do Port Adelaide games now, or yeah, any other team. You and Matty Temple, got to give Matty a shout. He's obviously yeah. a great mate of yours. And um, we actually went out and had dinner in other. We played over there for gather round and yep. had Brisbane the next day. And you were nice enough to uh, to take you and I out for dinner. Yeah, that was great. I ended up paying, but um, you took us out. You chose the <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> I came and picked you up. That was that was a big step. But uh, but yeah, you paid for it, so you really took us out. Yeah, which no, was you, really nice. You picked me up. That's awesome. We'll get back to the swimming. <laughs> you um. You got the 100 meter short course freestyle record. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that swim? Like, as you were swimming, as you were in the pool, did you think, geez, I'm going quick at the moment, or did it just feel like any other race? Yeah, it did. I think the week before I'd raced in Doha and Qatar and swam pretty fast. I think maybe the second fastest time ever in the world. Uh, and then the following week, I was in Kazan in Russia. Uh, had a shit show of a flight to get there. Like, we had to go via Turkey, and then I got dicked <laughs> around in Turkey. Like, you needed to get a visa just to go through the airport in Turkey, which I didn't have. So it just took a long time and missed my flight. Oh. Ended up getting into Russia at, I don't know, something stupid like 3 or 4 a.m. And uh, so I thought that I was probably not in the greatest shape of my life. But uh, again, full of confidence. Uh, knew that I was pretty close to the world record the week before. I'm a person that likes to analyze what I've done. So I knew exactly where I could improve on. And there's a guy that I kind of had a lot of battles with over my time, Vladimir Morozov, this Russian guy. And, uh, he, there's not many guys that really shit me, but he kind of shit me there at times <laughs> and could get in my head quite easily. And he was, he happened to be in the race and he was the guy that was the, the I'd just beaten his time the week before. He was very close to the world record previously. And he kind of, yeah, tried to get in my head a little bit in the Marsha Groove, you know. Like, so there's just, trash talk in the yeah, there's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the 100 freestyle. The 100 <laughs> freestyle is like these big testosterone filled alpha males from all <laughs> over the world just getting jammed into this marching room and there's there's a lot of mind games that go on but he was one that's sometimes won the mind games with me I think at times yeah, um, yeah. but that motivated me this time I was like fuck this guy I just want to beat him <laughs> and uh, yeah flew and broke a world record and uh, yeah loved, loved every second of it it was a shame I was in Russia during COVID so I had no family or my coach wasn't there or had no one I could really share the moment with. Everyone was on the complete different time zone. So I kind of went home to my hotel room and no messages or anything <laughs> to just sit there buzzing myself. And yeah, it was it was an interesting experience, but I loved it. That's awesome. And obviously with swimming, you've been lucky enough to go to the Olympics. Yep. Run us through what the Olympic Village is like. It's been worked up. We hear all these stories about what happens. Is it spot on to the stories we hear or? It is. I would say the last one obviously was COVID, so it sucked. Yeah. Um, we had to spend all that time in our rooms. We were supposed to wear a mask even in our bedrooms. We were in the dining hall with perspex all around us with gloves on trying to eat our food because of COVID. 
Whereas the one before, I was like a kid in a candy shop, mate. I was like, you know, these all these NBA basketball players. I was getting photos with everyone every day. Kind of, it's like it's just crazy. You can you can. Um, I sat next to Nadal one day for breakfast. Then Usain Bolt's walking through the, the food hall, <laughs> and then all these NBA basketballers I watch every day. Kind of, you know, Jimmy Butler was in there, or Kevin Durant. These guys are in the village, and I found that incredible. So. And then there's some good-looking girls getting around as well. So if you were if you weren't as focused on sport as what what I was at that time, um, you would you would have done it right. Would have had some fun. Yeah, yeah. You um you told me a good story about you sat down next to an NBA player who wasn't as well known. Yeah. Um, who was it? I've had a few of those. I had um Nico Mannion. <laughs> Nico, me, I've never heard of him. He uh, got drafted to the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago. His old man played, but um he was playing on the Italian national team, and <laughs> I happened to just go up and ask for a photo, thinking that he might kind of shrug me off a little bit like most of the NBA guys, but he was really pumped to have a chat with me and reposted me on his story. And I thought that was excellent. That was only in Tokyo, actually. I got a photo with Nico Mannion, Nicholas Batum, who's another guy in our fantasy league who's kind of been made a bit of a joke of at times. Yeah. And then I, and then I met Luca, actually. So that was actually called Luca Donkic in, uh, in Tokyo. So Yeah, that's sick. Obviously, cool this Mannion, like, all these other NBA superstars around there, the ones getting all the attention. He probably loved you coming up and actually knowing who he was, I suppose. Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, he was he was thrilled that someone probably yeah, noticed who he was and wanted a photo with him. And, and I was pretty pumped to get a photo with him. He only played the one year in the NBA. He's now in the EuroLeague, but uh, he was there. So, But there's just dudes like that everywhere. It's crazy. I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. You kind of see like Danny Alves and all these amazing soccer players rolling around and Michael Phelps, obviously a pretty good swimmer. He was there. I took Not a photo bad. with him. <laughs> Tried to trade a cap with him after uh, my race in Rio. He knocked got, you back. got knocked back. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. We we won on the last night in Rio. We had the four by one medley relay, and it was Michael Phelps' last ever race. And um, you know, we kind of race, and then you get taken into a room where you wait until you get your medal. And one of the American dudes fainted. The breaststroke dude. Yeah. yeah. So we're all standing around for like half an hour or an hour, and. I worked up all this courage to go up to Michael Phelps <laughs> and be like, hey, mate, can I trade a cap with you? And uh, he went, nah. Just no, really just flat yeah, out. Nah. <laughs> and then there was a guy that I'd raced previously in the freestyle, and I went, oh, can I trade caps with you, kind of. So I ended up with a Nathan Adrian cap, which was still cool, but it wasn't Michael Phelps. Yeah. <laughs> I was shattered. But again, not being a big swimming fan, not knowing too much about swimming, I kind of only knew Michael Phelps, and that was probably it. So It's amazing how, like, in sports you've – there's probably lesser known sports like swimming. It's not necessarily mainstream. Like there's a lot of good swimmers out there and they're probably not household names, but you get someone like Michael Phelps for, for cycling, Lance Armstrong, like people have just heard of them. They're, yeah. the, they're the one person and you're almost synonymous with that in Australia with swimming. Like if you talk about Australian swimming, you're one of the first names to come up. Yeah, but is that a good thing or a bad thing at the moment? I think, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I've had a bad run probably with the media and that's probably why my name's uh, out there. But um but yeah, I've had some success in the pool. Probably uh, had some bad run-ins out of the pool too. We're talking about your uh, media run-in, the old <laughs> you and the Cody Simpson foray. That uh, yeah, that was pretty big news. That was big news. Um, that was interesting and interesting time to be a part of, and something that I've finally recovered from now. But <laughs> just something that you know, like as an athlete, the same as you, you know, you get drafted as an eighteen-year-old kid and never exposed to signatures and photos or ask getting you know media requests and all this sort of stuff, sponsorships. Con- signing contracts, you have no idea. You have to learn it all as you go. And I think that was one that I just had never dealt with before was like, you know, these uncomfortable questions that weren't revolved around my success in the pool or my performance and stuff. And I went, well, how, how do I actually deal with this or why are you allowed to ask these sort of personal questions? Oh, and they try and make news out of something that just isn't news, really. Exactly. 
massively. And I kept finding that it'd be like, you know, I'd swim amazing times in the pool or we'd win, win at Commonwealth Games and then I'd get out of the pool and just get harassed and attacked from the media and and then, yeah, go home and try and deal with it. It was pretty shit. So I think for me, I kind of went, what do I actually do this for? Like, yeah. Why do I? Why do I swim? 100%. I'm in the public eye as well. So we get media questions all the time. And personally, like I'm not a fan of the media at all. I'll try and do as little as possible. And the me- the managers at North are always like, oh, Jaden, you do it. Because I tend to speak okay in front of a camera, but I can't stand it. Like they create the narrative. They say whatever they want. You can say one or two words. They can then snip that with another two words and make it sound like something that you just didn't say at all, Yeah, which really bugs me. So that's why like, that was half the reason why I started the podcast. Like I control the narrative here and I've, I said to you, Pre, like if there's anything that's said that you don't want in there, just tell me, I'll cut it. That's fine. Like yeah. um, want to give a lot of control to the person being interviewed and um, can sort of yeah run the narrative, which I really enjoy. Yeah. With swimming, you say it's an individual sport. Um, obviously you're out there, you're competing hard, but is there a real team bond there within the Dolphins list? I would say at times, yes, but also it's very challenging because we are all individual swimmers and, you know, like now we're here in Melbourne for the World Championships trials. So we're all here competing for a spot on the World Championship team in four weeks time. So at the moment we're all rivals and we're all trying to get on that spot and get on that team. And then in four weeks time, we get all thrown together in, in Japan and we're expected to get along and expected to swim relays together and whatnot. And I think for me, I'm a, I've come from that probably sp- uh, team sport background. So I love relays. I love getting around the boys and, and I've got a good connection with a lot of people on the team, but there's always people that are kind of probably jealousy starts to kick in and you know, why, why are they getting something that I'm not? And I don't know. I think at times it's definitely uncomfortable and times I think that's probably what I struggle with most is the, is the team culture at times that, that kind of comes, comes with individual sport. But, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's as good as it can be, and we've got we've had a lot of success in the pool, and we've got some amazing swimmers, and I personally love watching you know my my teammates succeed and sitting in the stands and watching them go well and being a part of that. So I, I love it, but I think you know some people probably don't like watching other people succeed. Yeah, hundred percent. And is it less competitive? Are you more competitive with the other freestyle swimmers than you are with, say, the breaststrokers and the butterflies? Yeah, probably at times, I think. I think breaststroke and butterfly like, doesn't matter to me. Well, butterfly does now because <laughs> I'm swimming that event, so I need to be uh, a bit more competitive at times. But to be fair, the freestyle boys that are coming through, they're a lot younger than me now, and uh, and I'm unfortunately getting to the probably end of my career. I'm 25 uh, in a couple of weeks' time, and in Tokyo, I was the second oldest in the final at 22. So if I happen to make the final in Paris, I'll be 26 and one of the old dogs. So yep. uh, I'm trying to give back as much as I can to the young kids coming through. Um, trying to, yeah, I guess I chat to them most days on social media or whatnot. And we talk through sets and give them advice. And uh, and I love kind of that. I love like, I don't know, guys that want to learn and, and want to grow as a swimmer and find out all this stuff. So I enjoy the young kids and there's still a bit of competitiveness, but obviously, obviously getting to know you over the last year or so, I, I think that's a great, um, character, a witness of your character, I suppose. Like you're very, very friendly, very open before every game I play, you send me a little message saying, kick a goal. And <laughs> it's just great. Like you just get around people, you, you build them up and obviously in an individual sport, it can be hard. You can be very focused on yourself, but you just strike me as someone that's always willing to help and always there to, to lend an ear if need be. Definitely. I think, I think one thing I do struggle with though is like there's a lot of people out there that don't want to learn, you know, like they they don't want the advice. They think it's a, crit- a criticism if you try and give them advice or whatnot. So that's something I do struggle with. But I'm a person that wants to help and see people succeed and have fun and enjoy what they're doing. And 
I love my sport. I love my job. I think it's the greatest thing in the world being able to be a professional athlete. And you know, some weeks I get a bit stressed because, like yesterday, I had I had to fly on a game on a game day for you. So I'm like wondering where I should send the message. Should I send it at <laughs> six a.m. in the morning and potentially wake him up if a kick a goal message, or should I wait till I get to Melbourne and send the message? But I don't miss. I'm pretty proud of myself that I don't miss. But like we were reflecting on earlier, maybe I should just send a message saying good luck rather than kick a goal. But yeah, it's good fun. It makes me smile every time. I just I don't, not necessarily that I wait for it, but like it comes to game day, I see the message and I'm like. It's game day. There he is again. Game like, day. It sort of gets me in the mood for game day, I suppose. That's perfect. That's you, what you want. You were talking about uh, relays before, really enjoying them. And um, I sat up, I obviously knew you were coming on. So I sat up a few nights ago, I was just watching all your relay ones where you just storm home. Like, do you just know that the last 15 metres you are going to outdo your opponent? Like, it's amazing. Some of these comebacks, you haven't already searched on YouTube, um, Kyle Chalmers relay. Like, you blokes are a second and a half behind, which in the pool terms is massive, is. and you just come flying that last 25. <laughs> I love it. I love the pressure of kind of being, you know, like here in Melbourne, for example, World Champs at the end of last year, there's, you know, five, 10,000 people in the stands. The three blokes have swam before me. I get to sit there and watch the whole race unfold, kind of build myself up, get this just massive adrenaline hit and know that everyone's then locked in on me watching me, and it's kind of my my time to do do what I love to do and I love nothing more than swimming over the top of people and uh, <laughs> I back myself in every time I dive in the pool. I think, um, again, going back to that mindset, I'm a person that's like in any stroke or any event, I'd, I'd sit here right now and be like, I reckon I could beat that person until I actually did it and realised that probably not. You can't. <laughs> no, nah, exactly. It's like, why could not play NBA? I'd give it a go. I'd go one-on-one with someone, but until I actually experience it and realised that I'm not that good. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Relays is one of those things where I just get to be me and my element. I get to have all the fans going crazy, the three blokes probably behind me yelling, and it's all up to me. I love the pressure, the high-pressure moments. And knowing you're doing it for your mates is just – it's an extraordinary feeling. Like, obviously, you get the same feeling playing footy. Like, if you can kick a goal in a close game, it's like, well, I'm doing this. Everyone, There's 20 other blokes that are all wrapped, and it's such an uplifting feeling. It is. Feeling to have. You, um, you mentioned earlier about your tattoos. Obviously, mm-hmm. you got the tattoos – you got the uh, veneers. Yeah, true. One of the best got smiles in swimming. Yeah. And um, the dyed hair at the moment. It's very similar to me. I've got the veneers. Yeah. I got the had the dyed hair at stages. You and did too. I forgot ta- about that. Tattoos everywhere. Yeah. Uh, one of your tattoos, um, I think this is the word resilient on your bicep. It's actually actually spelt wrong. <laughs> that's a good retention there, mate. <laughs> I think that's maybe why we get along so well. I didn't realise that we had so much similarities. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I've got a few spelling mistakes on my body. Uh, <laughs> one of those being resilience underneath my bicep on my left arm. Um, I'm not the best at spelling. So for me, when I got the, I don't know what you call it, the, the pre-tattoo thing? What do you call yeah, that? Yeah, the, uh, the outline, I suppose. The outline, yeah. yeah. For me, that looked right. I would, I, and <laughs> if I was still to spell resilience, I'd have no idea. <laughs> but I've got an A instead of an E somewhere in there. I'm not sure of exactly where, but I'm sure if you guys want to look closely on my tattoos at some somewhere, you'll uh, you'll see that. But uh, yeah, got resilience spelled wrong under there. I've got Kevin Durant on my on my forearm. It's um, supposed to say thunder. It says they're her. <laughs> It's <laughs> a H where the end supposed to be. Yeah, and uh, I also got this big German across my chest, like my chest plate. That's my big tattoo that I really wanted for a long time, and I thought I'd get a German saying underneath it. And um, the S is supposed to be a capital S rather than a small S, which I had no idea, but apparently then changes the the saying a little bit too. So yeah, three three misspells on the body. Um, my tattoo artist is a great mate of mine. He's a great <laughs> tattoo artist. Just can't spell, but. Uh, it's either he can't spell or I can't spell or it's it's a combination. But um but I actually really love it. I think it just tells my story again that 
I've got a few st- spelling mistakes. I think I it's pretty funny. Yeah, had some personality. Run us through the story about when you actually realised that it was spelt wrong, the resilience. So I came back from the Olympics um, in 2021, actually it was. Um, I'd done my two weeks of isolation in Darwin uh, in the hotel room and kind of had some time to think about tattoos that I wanted to get because I really wanted to finish my left arm. Um, sent some ideas through to Laz, my tattoo artist, best mate. Uh, the day I got back to Adelaide, I went in just to see him and have a couple of beers and he went, oh, my guy's cancelled on me today. Do you want to get tattooed? <laughs> I went, yeah, righto. <laughs> so I've sat there for four hours and, um, yeah, got this star under my arm and actually I got, can- I got halfway through the tattoo, Asada like called me and we're like, oh, we're at the pool to drug test you. And you know what, that, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but if you're not there within that hour, then you get a strike. And if you get three strikes, you're out. We've got a little online portal in the AFL where if we go on a holiday or if we go away for the night, you have, you have to put in where you are. Like I might be saying, yeah, I've gone to Adelaide for two nights. So that gets put in on the portal. And then if Asada want to test you, they know exactly where you are. Yeah. But I mean, I've never heard of Asada coming and finding foot play, football players away from the club. Oh, yeah. No, nah, they're, they're at the games all the time. I was down at Tassie yesterday and yep. a few boys. Hawley, actually, Aaron Hawley got tested after the game. And yeah. obviously after a game, it can be hard to produce urine. Like yeah. you've just gone out there, you've burnt all these calories, you've ran 13, 14K. Yeah. So we ended up getting on the bus and going to the airport without him. We left him. Oh, you're joking. Left him at the ground. So he's there like he's quickly drinking water, trying to piss so that he can come and get an air flight. And he eventually rocked up just in time for the flight to take off. It's bloody invasive, isn't it? It's terrible. It's shocking. Yeah. I find it nothing nothing worse than when the, uh, I get a knock on the door at home and Asada's there and <laughs> sit down on the couch and watch TV yep. and uh, have a cup of tea and try and uh, produce some urine for him. But um, anyway, so I got called out halfway through the tattoo, didn't get it fully done. And uh, a couple of nights later, I had this big... Um, Olympic party. So I had all my mates from Paul Lincoln kind of all over Adelaide or whatever, 100, 120 people probably in this bar completely um, closed off just for me. And uh, I had this chick rock up there who's a speech pathologist, one of my good <laughs> friends. And um, she was asking about my new tattoos. And I was, it was middle of winter. I took my shirt off. I was pretty, pretty drunk at the time celebrating and took my shirt completely off and was showing her. And she goes, you know, resilience is spelt wrong. <laughs> and I had no idea. And then I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So I was walking around being like, Laz spelt resilience wrong. Rah, rah. And Laz ended up going home. He was very devastated was with himself. He it. was shattered. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, he'd put all this money on the tab and he was right into it. And as soon as that <laughs> happened, he was he was out of there and contacting me about how we could how we could resolve the issue, you know, go get laser and get it redone. And unfortunately, tattoo's not overly easy to fix, but I think it's a great story. Hundred percent. And I can imagine how he feels, mate. Like I've, I've got a tattoo gun at home, and oh yeah, yeah. So I've got, I've done about thirty tattoos myself. And for someone that's not artistic, can't draw, like they're pretty dodgy. But whenever I'm doing it on my mates, like I always take good pride. Like I don't want any <laughs> yeah. stuff up. It's, I know it's going to be a poor image, but I want it to be the best poor image you've ever seen. Like so, I've done these, and I can imagine exactly how he's feeling. Like if you stuffed up, oh, on your mate as well. Like it'd be different. If it was a random. Like, yeah, and I and I have my shirt off all the time. Unfortunately, my my sport involves me having my shirt off. So I'm sure one day you'll see me on the lane rope after a race doing the old cobra. Yeah, and you'll yeah. See, see the spelling mistake, but I'm a, I'm in for a tattoo by you, mate. I've got some uh, some skin available, plenty of skin available. So you name a place and yeah, do you a bit come of a up design. with the design and I'll oh, draw I'll come it. Up yeah, with the design. All right. I've done. Um, I've actually got a big one on my chest. I got a big like boxer on the middle of my chest. Yeah, and I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I like the design. Where am I going to put it? And um, my roommate at the time, he's like, oh, have you got the stencil for it? And I was like, oh, there you go. That's what's called a stencil. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's stencil. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Have you got the stencil for it? I'm like, yeah, mate, look, look at this. He goes, oh, do you want to put it on me and just see how it looks? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sweet. So I've got this same, like it's a pretty big tattoo. Yeah. Stenciled it up 
onto my mate's thigh and, and tattooed, sat there on the chair for about an hour and a half tattooing him. How'd it go? Like it, <laughs> it's all right. Like you look at it and you're like, oh, that's actually a pretty good job for someone that can't draw and can't tattoo. But um, I think on his left hand, he's got six fingers on my mate's one. No. So <laughs> it's a little bit dodgy. But you should put the photo up of this, I think. I know. Sure. I'll send it through. I'll send you through my one and the uh, and the one I did on my mate. But yeah, I'm, I was actually pretty impressed with it. He's had wrapped with it. I've ended up doing a lot more. I've done quite a bit of his thigh and we'll still finish it all off. So I've got a good one for you actually that, uh, are you mates with Clay Oliver whatsoever? Oh, no, like if you I see him, I'll say hello, but yeah, yeah. So I talk to Clayton Oliver weirdly on social media quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never met the bloke in real life, but he was talking about getting uh, a tattoo of me. Okay. I was like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Because I've got a few mates tattooed on me now. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and I thought, he was like, yeah, rah, rah, we'll get, I'll get a tattoo, you get a tattoo. And I thought, all right, I'm going to get this tattoo. And this is this involves you actually, because I was like, I'm going to get on my leg, Clayton Oliver kicking the football, or you kicking the football. And then on my other leg, either you or Clayton Oliver marking the football. <laughs> that's that's my new tattoo design is the next one. I wasn't going to tell you about it, but I thought, no, I'll tell you. Maybe in a North Melbourne jersey, maybe in a Melbourne jersey. Yep. Just fill in some space. You go first and I'll, I'll follow soon. All right, done. I'll get it done next week. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Laz. Hopefully you can't um, stuff this one up. Yeah. North Melbourne's a hard word to spell on the back of a jersey, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, beautiful. Um, obviously, the podcast isn't. Uh, possible without the help of Ringers West and they're a great sponsor of the pod. They do some amazing stuff in the community. As you can see, I'm wearing the hat, the jacket, always decked out. I mean, I walk into my wardrobe and I've got this whole side of Ringers Western. So that's amazing and they can sort you out for any occasion. So in honour of that, um, they're obviously a bit more of an outdoor camping sort of thing. Have you done any camping you, yeah, you like it. your fishing. I love my camping. I love my fishing. I think if I had more time to do it, I'd be, I'd be right into it. But, uh, yeah, grew up in the country, so I love that stuff. What's your uh, What's your biggest catch or your most proud catch? Um, most proud catch? Well, I've only just recently bought a boat, so catching a fish on my own boat was quite special. <laughs> um, caught myself a nice probably 10 to 15 centimetre Tommy Ruff, which <laughs> was quite good. But uh, I think I've caught a few sharks in my time, and I think there's nothing more satisfying than catching the tax man when he rolls through. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, caught a few, few big sharks and – um, I enjoy the battle, you know, kind of chuck the anchor up and let the shark tow you around for a bit and try and get that on board. It's always a little bit hairy and scary. So oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I'd say shark. No, that's awesome. When you talk about your boat, um, that brings me to your uh, your reptile collection. Yeah. You had a big reptile collection in your garage, crocodiles, snakes, lizards. Run us through that. How many did you have? I'm a weird dude. I don't know <laughs> if you've worked that out by the last 45 minutes of sitting in here, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Unfortunately, with swimming, we kind of train, you know, it was probably about 50 hours a week is involved with swimming. By the time you go swim, gym, physio, massage, recovery center, you know, a bit of sponsorship staff, psychologist, whatever else gets involved in it. So it's very hard to study. Not that I had any real interest in doing any study in my time or working a job, just to have something away from sport. You know how important yeah, it is. You need it. Um, otherwise, you're just constantly focused on swimming or sport and burn yourself out pretty quick. So for me, Growing up in the country, one of my favorite things to do as a kid was probably, yeah, chase reptiles around with my grandpa and, you know, then take him home and put him in little enclosures and look after him for a little bit and let him go. And when I moved to Adelaide, mum said I couldn't have any animals, which upset <laughs> me a little bit. I ended up getting one lizard, like one blue tongue lizard. Yep. 
after I came back from the Olympics in 2016, that grew to about 30 or 40 blue tongue lizards. <laughs> and then- uh, hey, mate, or you just kept finding them? No, I kept just- No, I wasn't finding them. I was buying them. You are buying There's them? a big market for a mate, like blue tongue lizards, because it goes down to all this genetic stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I started learning all this genetics. So you get like, any A-grade blue tongue lizards? Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, some blue tongue lizards are selling for 10 grand a blue oh, tongue. Kidding. And they'll have like 20 babies a year. So there's a massive market there to make some cash. Beautiful. Never, never looked into that. I might so need to. If you want to go into business with me post-sport, <laughs> reptiles is the way to go. Jaden and Kyle's reptile park. Yeah. You'll have to move to Adelaide probably to do it. Yeah. I'm petrified of animals though. That's, that's probably not a good start. Well, you just do the business side of things and I'll, <laughs> and I'll handle the, the cleaning of snakes and whatnot. All right. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, I think maybe the start of 2020 or start of 2021, I had close to 500 reptiles in my, uh, in my collection. So I had a crocodile, I was breeding pythons, I was breeding blue tongues, bearded dragons, frill neck lizards, angle headed dragons. I had turtles, I had green tree frogs, you name it. I had it. I and just, they're mostly what in your garage and. Yeah. I converted my garage into a, like my double garage. I put a wall up against the roller door. I put an air con in there, carpeted all these <laughs> extra light sockets and everything or electric sockets or whatever. And. Yeah, just filled it out with reptiles. So that was my full-time job. I'd kind of come home from swimming, clean and feed reptiles for a few hours, go back to swimming, do the same at nighttime and do that six, seven days a week and uh, absolutely loved it. But obviously, like last year, I spent eight weeks in Adelaide for the whole year. So yeah. it gets hard for for me to look after those animals. My mum's not a huge fan of them. <laughs> uh, so her going in there to do that wasn't um, always the greatest conversation, but uh, but she, she was kind and did it quite a lot, which was nice. What was the food bill like? That would have been massive. 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 The food bill was massive. The electricity bill was massive. <laughs> I'm surprised I never got the police rocking up in my house going, why, what are you doing here? Um, but yeah, the food bill, like a, like the snakes eat ro- rats. Yeah, so yeah. I'd go to the, the pet shop and buy all these rats, frozen rats. And the frozen rats like 20 bucks a pop. Oh my God. And then for a couple hundred, probably a thousand bucks a week sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, at least. And then I'd buy <laughs> crickets for everything. Like they'd get like two or 3,000 crickets delivered to my house every week. And it was just, it was weird. But I loved it. I, lo- I just love these weird little things. It's amazing how everyone has those those little things, the little intricacies that I suppose they just do and they- Make people tick. Make people tick. Yeah. If it makes you happy, mate, I'm all for it. I'm all for people just doing what, what makes them happy. And um, if that makes you happy, then congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations. It made me happy, mate. Yeah. And then but, obviously um, you bought the boat, so you needed room in your garage. Yeah. So, so what happened to the reptiles? Yeah, the reptiles got turfed. Unfortunately, I've moved on to the next chapter of my life and next hobby, which is which is fishing. And I don't have a boat license, so I'm lucky that my great mate Matty Temple, who we've mentioned a few times now, has a boat license. So uh, I go go collect him from his house and bring <laughs> him down so he can uh, to drive me around on my boat. But um, we have some fun, and like I said, I'm not home, so the reptiles kind of had to get moved on, and it's something I might go back to eventually. But um, did you sell them or yeah, them sold them. So I was breeding to sell them and making quite a lot of money off doing it. Like I was doing really well. <laughs> like I was breeding frill neck lizards. I probably bred about 70 frill neck lizards one year and they go for about 350 bucks a go. And, you know, it all adds up quite nicely. But again, by the time you work out electricity and buying all the reptiles, all buying all the enclosures, all the food, it was, I probably yeah, broke about even. Yeah. And you talked about being Kyle Chalmers away from the pool and mm-hmm. obviously I'll list off your achievements before, but Olympic gold medalist, world record holder, um, Everyone knows your achievements. It's it's broadcasted wide and far that you're this amazing swimmer. What a lot of people wouldn't know is that you've actually helped contribute to uh, Adelaide's or South Australia's infrastructure quite a bit recently. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Run us through that. Yeah, I'm building houses now. So I don't know how many to build. You know, actually, you've built a few houses in your time. We had a bit of experience on the worksite too, <laughs> which is quite good. That's another thing we bond over uh, at times. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
after swimming, I was, I'm quite unsure what I was ever going to get myself into. A lot of people try to push on the, the study and go down that path. I tried, I tried psychology at uni, didn't quite work out for me. Um, and I decided that, yeah, I want to be a builder after swimming. I want to move back to the country, be a builder, play footy on the weekends and just live that great Aussie lifestyle, I think. So for me, um, yeah, Tuesday and Thursdays now after swimming, I go straight onto the work side and, uh, yeah, help, help build people's dreams, mate. So, you know, people kind of send through what they need done and- And you do it free of charge, don't you? Free of charge. I'm a work experience kid. <laughs> <laughs> Two days a week, I've probably done- yeah, two days a week for the last, I don't know, three or four months, been out there doing doing some work experience for free, uh, five hours each each stint, so 10 hours a week of, of free work experience, mate. I, I love it. I think it's the greatest thing going on a, a work site with dudes that I've never met before in my life. Yeah. I'm the complete bottom of the pecking order, so I'm doing the shittest jobs most of the time. Most of it's just heavy lifting, which probably, you know, complements my swimming at times, but again, it's just that distraction away from the pool and and I love it. I can't wait to transition into that that lifestyle post swimming. Now it's like, how good is this going to be? Just <laughs> rocking to work at seven a.m. in the morning, have a coffee, have a Red Bull, probably have a couple of meat pies, and yep. get stuck into it for the day and knock off by three p.m. Probably take the boat out. You spoke about it earlier about your uh, your social media just showing who you are as a person and just putting funny stuff up. Like I look at your social media when you're on the job site. It doesn't look like you do a whole lot of work, to be honest. You and Maddie are there modeling after time for your new photo shoot. Exactly. We're work experience kids, mate. We can't be doing too much. <laughs> I just get my phone out the whole time and film it. And I think, to be honest, I've never been nervous in my life. And it's something I've reflected on with a lot of people recently is the day I rocked up to work, I made Temple get out of the car first. I stood behind him like a, I'm a pretty outgoing sort of person that's happy to talk to anyone. And I've never been more nervous just putting myself <laughs> in an uncomfortable position like that. And there'll be times where they're like, Cole, can you uh, go do this or get that? And I'm like, I've no idea, but The um, the list, you put it on your social media the other day, heading down to Bunnings with your list of the uh, of things. pen size 15 and whatever it was. Yeah. Rubber nails. <laughs> Rubber nails. Did you create that yourself? Or did, the the bo- did the boss just take the mickey out of it? <laughs> no, I created myself with Temple's, Temple's help. Yep. Um, take the piss out of myself a little bit. And just have some fun, really, you know. Went down to Bunnings, asked for the sparks for the grinder and the left-handed <laughs> screwdrivers and left-handed hammers and, yeah, the pen size 15s. Uh, <laughs> they were hard to come by, but, um, but yeah, got around to most of it. And then the the 1D 10T was one of my favourite things. If you put that down, that's that's idiot. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, every week I kind of try to come up with a little bit of creative content for my, my social media on a Tuesday that's something different from swimming. People love the building. A lot of people get quite offended by it. The other day, I well, not offended, but the other day I changed a couple of light globes in my house. I'm not sure if you saw that one on uh, Friday night before I came down on Saturday night and people were a bit upset that I didn't turn my lights off before I changed the globe. And, them with it on. <laughs> yeah, which I had no idea. Uh, I was holding the globe with my fingers before I put it in. People didn't really appreciate that that much. Trial by fire, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of people that really appreciate it, you know, like showing Kyle away from the pool, Kyle showing people that there's a lot more to life than just sport. Um, it's weird that I'm referring to myself in third person now, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I have some fun, mate. And uh, I, I think this year has been one of my favorite years I've ever had. Like I've kind of, I've had a lot of fun in the pool and done some good things in the pool, but I've had a lot of fun away from the pool. Um, I've learned that you can kind of, you know, do things, do things away from the pool. You know, I used to be a person that would go to training, come home, nap, you know, do the massage gun, do the cupping, put the legs in the boots, you know, just do everything I could to get ready for that next session, next session, and just burn myself out. Whereas now I'm just having so much fun. Yeah. Now, Jaden enjoys seeing your stories. <laughs> Jaden enjoys it. <laughs> and I enjoy talking to Jaden about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, obviously, uh, thanks again for coming on the podcast. You're obviously here in Melbourne. You've got the 
swimming trials coming up to go to World Champs. Yeah. Wednesday, that's on Friday. Uh, Wednesday's my 200 freestyle. Wednesday. 100 freestyles Friday, so that's why I tell people that's what I'm racing. Yeah, beautiful. Are you going to sort out some free tickets or do I just got to head online to Ticket Tech? Well, that's the thing that I'd love to be able to do, but Swimming Australia, I actually paid a race here. <laughs> do you? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the poster out the front there, but I pay me uh, $35 to enter each event and um, my mum's coming across from Adelaide. She pays for her tickets. Um, swimming's one of those kind of backwards sports like that, unfortunately, but uh, I'm happy to fork out the money no, no, and, no. Uh, and buy you a couple tickets so you're in the stands, but it would, would mean the world to me, you know, being able to, being able to swim and, and see my friend Jaden up in the stands. Um <laughs> Yeah, it would be it would be really nice. No, well, I'll be there, mate. Don't worry about that. I'll I'm happy to fork out thirty five dollars. Like I said, I paid for dinner last time, so yeah, all I do true. seem to be doing is spending money on you. And you paid for a lot of drinks in Bali too. I don't think I bought you a drink back. So yeah. I'll probably owe you a few bucks. Can't let you leave without asking you this question. I ask all my guests who've had multiple answers, but if you're having a party, so your next birthday party, twenty five, you said earlier, um, you get a seven till ten slot and a ten till late slot to artists. They can be musicians, bands. Who are you inviting? Like, which bands or would you want to come to your birthday? Um, I'm going to go with Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg? Yeah. That's actually been a, that's the second it? time, I think. I went to the Snoop Dogg concert when he was in Adelaide this year and uh, I've got Snoop Dogg tatted on my leg. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with Snoop Dogg. I think he's he's elite. Which slot are you putting him in? Um, I'll probably kick him off, I think. Yep. I think kick him off, get people excited. I know that that's when I'm most excited and probably going to remember it the most. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Snoopy's, Snoopy's up number one. The other person I have on my leg is Freddie Mercury. Okay, yep. Uh, so maybe I get Queen to come in and I love Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, so that... Uh, great watch, isn't great it? Great watch. Incredible. That, um, the life they live, like, it's what? just so different. Like, we think about as sports stars, like, we've got uh, a pretty good life and we can do some stuff, but these blokes, they have... They don't, they're not in that team environment. They're not in the sort of social. They do whatever they want and let their hair down. It's incredible. It is. It's wild. That, that lifestyle they live is crazy, those movies that come out. But uh, I'd probably say, yeah, I'd probably if, if he could come back in time, I think it would be quite cool to have Freddie Mercury there just going crazy on stage like a full um, Live Aid concert performance. You'd want him in his um, white wife beater. Yep. Singlet, yep. Jam, blue jeans. <laughs> blue jeans. Yeah. And uh, the moustache flying, which uh, inspires me to have my moustache, which you'll probably see later in the week. But I also quite like to, to dabble on the DJ decks. I think uh, in Adelaide, I'm a, a bigger name at times. So I get invited up on the stage quite regularly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I give the DJ, well, not really. I stand next to the DJ <laughs> and pump up the crowd. So uh, Kyle on the decks. yeah, put me up there. Put me up there at my own party and let me entertain. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm all, all for it. Hopefully you get the invite. Yeah, um, you'll, be, you'll be first on the list. Or oh, fourth. Fourth. Okay. Fourth on the list. Yeah, beautiful. I'll take yep. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll wrap it up there. All the best with the trials and hopefully you make it to World Champs and succeed there. I'm sure you will. Um, wouldn't be possible today without Roland Media and Braden. Um, he does a great job. Awesome. The setup he's got and the little COVID project for him and it's turned into something amazing with uh, lots of different podcasts. So thanks again to Braden and obviously... To Ringers Western, I've touched on it a few times already, but their support for me, their support for the community and, and the stuff they do is just incredible. And um, I'm looking forward to continuing our partnership and hopefully growing with them. Uh, thanks again, Kyle, and um, enjoy your time here in Melbourne. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on and I uh, look forward to purchasing some Ringers Western products. Beautiful. I was you very to- jealous of when you walked into the cafe there before with it all on. So I've got a few in my car, which I can give you. So, But for yous at home that uh, want to find some Ringers Western stuff, go to ringerswestern.com and, and check it out there. 
Uh, to everyone, thank you again for watching. Um, if you could get around our socials, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, TikTok, it's, it's greatly appreciated if you could like, share, leave a rating, comment, all that sort of stuff. I'm not massive in the social media world, but um, if you could do that, it really goes a long way to supporting the pod and continuing to create episodes like this and get guests on such as Kyle. So thank you so much. And until next time, we'll see you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.